So oldest living NASCAR rookie in history. Connoisseur of Arby's. Not McDonald's anymore. And former drag racer. Yeah. Party Joe Vardy. If you could describe this dinner in one word, what would it be? I'd have to say awesome. Awesome? Awesome. I think that's our first awesome. I'll take awesome. Yeah. Acceptable. And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio. Welcome to Dinner with Racers. Dinner with Racers! Boo, 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 boo. We are currently finishing up an 8,000-mile journey. We are just miles away from Atlanta, Georgia, where we will wrap this deal up. Now, we just finished another four-week slog <laughs> across the country uh, to bring uh, 12 That's new right. uh, dinners for free. Uh, but before we did that, we actually, back in August, took another trip that went a couple thousand miles uh, through the great state of Florida. 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 We've become so known for getting a variety of folks, which we, of course, love getting, that uh, we wanted to make sure we stayed true to uh, the people who know us from the sports car scene. So we, we spent some time in August really trying to focus on people within the sports car scene that uh, maybe aren't as celebrated or people just within our, our paddock would really enjoy hearing. So, uh, Ryan, who did we meet with? Probably one of my favorite people in the paddock, Mr. Joe Vardy. I call him Party Vardy. He calls me Flying Ryan. Probably the neatest guy you can talk to about sports car racing, especially in the ranks of like the Continental Tire Series and formerly other showroom stock type of racing. He is the oldest living rookie in NASCAR history. I believe he did a road race back at the old Watkins Glen in NASCAR. And he's more recently become the guy behind programs like Run Bum Racing and now the TGM Mercedes team, which just wrapped up the Continental Tire GT4 championship again, because that's what Joe Vardy does. So if you have seen anyone win a championship in the Continental Tire Challenge Series, uh, formerly the Coney, or the upcoming next iteration of that series in IMSA, uh, chances are the team that won that championship was probably run by Joe Vardy. Just <laughs> right. throwing that out there. Right. Um, he, I'd say, is one of the series' best cheaters, but he's never been caught. So uh, <laughs> we, uh, we met with him in a Canvas out in Orlando, Florida. Yeah, really cool restaurant. Yeah, and befitting was a National Whiskey Sour Day. Now, I had the house special, I believe, and I think we did some chips and dips. That's code for you drank a lot of what's called Joe Juice. That's correct. And you don't remember what you had. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Right. I absolutely remember what I had, and I had a delightful chicken sandwich. So some of the things you're going to hear about in this episode is lying to your parents to start racing, which has become a really common theme with a lot of our guests. Uh, how Las Vegas uh, changed his life. How he gave Jack Baldwin his entire career. And uh, how marketing and PR types actually used to try. I don't know what that means. Yeah, you I don't know what I'm saying there. Really offended by it's that. It's not a pointed comment at all. Joe's the man, but obviously we couldn't have gone and sat down with him if it wasn't for our sponsors. Continental Tire and Acura would made it all possible. And of course, uh, we couldn't have gotten anywhere without the uh, lovely driving assistance from uh, multi-time NASCAR champion, Tony Stewart. This is almost over, right? We gotta go. Okay, did you get it out of your system? You good? So now listen to my friend, Party Vardy. DJ. Play that track. Meow. All right, we're gonna start in five, four, three, two, Welcome. In the flesh. 
Wow, he shows I'm so up. excited. How you doing? Hey, Sean. Nice to meet you, man. Hey, brother. How are you? What do you think of the place? Spot on. So we don't know each other, but we were told this is your table. There was no option. This is where you sit. If this very seat you're in, that's it. This is your place. Yeah. And the manager, James, looked at you and just said, you're your usual. And you were like, yeah. So yeah. this this is your place, like you. you yeah. Your, table your thirteen. Itself. Table thirteen. Uh, when you right. When you texted me that, I thought you meant the restaurant was called Table Thirteen. I didn't realize you meant Table Thirteen, which <laughs> is famously Rumbum's number. Yeah. Everybody. Okay. Everybody. Uh, it's funny because everybody says, "Why the heck do you want 13? I said, "Just give me thirteen. Right. right. When I when I came, first came here and they said they had Table Thirteen, I said, that, "That's it." I said, "Good. That's it. That's where I'll <laughs> stay every time." End of story. So did you just order a Joe juice? Yeah. Okay. So when he comes back, I'll order. I was waiting on you. Oh. Because I don't remember exactly what's in a Joe juice, but I know I want one. <laughs> <laughs> so have you ever done an interview like this, like a podcast? <laughs> I don't even know what a podcast is. <laughs> I didn't think you did. You remember, I, I, I still mess with points and condensers and shit. You know okay. what I mean? Okay. Do you know what that means? Condensers? Yeah. Points? I, well, wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> I know what points are. Thought I knew what a con- mechanically a condenser is. Yeah, yeah points and condensers. When you did a tune-up on an old car, right? You put spark plugs, points, and condensers. That was the whole ignition system. Oh, oh no, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I have it wrong. This was 190. <laughs> I mean, this is a long time. <laughs> Good. So you just showed up. Uh, you're in team kit. So uh, does that mean you were working today? Well, was this for us? No. Let me tell you something. Okay. Well, you see that machine right over there? That ice machine? Yeah, I sure do. Okay. It's sitting on a crate. Okay. So one day they asked me, hey, we can't find a table for this thing. Do you know how we can we can get a table? So I looked at all the McMaster cars and everything like that. <laughs> okay. And I'm finding this table, and it's so weird because it's 11 and a half by 18 and blah, 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 right? So I said, listen, when things slow down, I'll make you one, okay? So. All right, we got a picture here. So I started making it today. (laughs) Nice. All right, it's all set up. So the piece of aluminum that was probably like $110 cost $210. Right, right. Tariffs. Whatever. Yeah, right, yeah. So I got the wheels from uh, uh, Northern Hydraulics. And I started welding that thing up today, and uh, it turned into a little bigger project. Right. But uh, that's what it's for, that okay. machine there. So, y- so that's what I did today. That's how committed you are to this restaurant. Yeah. 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 Okay, so how often are you eating here? Uh, probably twice a week. Ah, maybe, all right. Maybe a little more yeah, sometimes. That's a fair amount. Okay, there we go. All right, so re- refresh my memory on what a Joe Juice is, because you, you made a couple of these for me before. That was about eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, usually a Joe Juice has uh, orange juice in it, a uh-huh. little splash. What we're doing now is we're putting the lime in it. Okay. That's we're squeezing some fresh lime, and what that does, it kills the, the, the bitterness of the vodka, but it still has a vodka taste. Okay. So you just t- you squeeze them all in there. All right. And when you say we, you mean you and the guys back at the engine shop? What tune, do you mean? Tuning on it. You said we were doing this now? No, nobody else does it. <laughs> engine shop. We got no engine shop. I ain't, di- I ain't built an engine since I left Charlotte. 
All right, I still didn't get an answer, by the way. Um, Why are you in a team shirt? Oh, he's working in the shop. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's a rule. If you're in the shop, you're wearing a team shirt. No. <laughs> I, I, this is what you I work for the man. Okay. So every day I, I sport the colors. Okay. Fair enough. So how much stuff do you have down here in your shop? Because you're currently running TGM. I know they have a shop in Atlanta. Yeah. And then you have your shop nearby here. Now it's a TGM shop. What okay. they did is they they took over Rum Bum's uh, lease. Okay. So I could work on the cars down here. Right. When you know because I was going to do the R and D work here, they were they're going to do the uh, in Atlanta. They do the prep work mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But there's been so much work with these uh, these Mercedes. So Sean doesn't know a whole lot about you beyond what Let, we looked up on Let's pretend I represent the public. Okay. And and when somebody's like, you gotta you gotta hear Joe Vardy's stories, and I'm like, I don't know who Joe Vardy is. Um, don't don't kill me. Um, so I, I know you're from the TGM side today, which is a, a, a Mercedes AMG GT4 team in the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. You want something? Oh, I'm good. You want one of these? Oh no, I'm I'm driving. So thank you. Um, but you've had a crazy history to get up to this point. In sports car and NASCAR. Yeah. All right. Well, mostly sports car. NASCAR so, thing wasn't a, you know, I ran uh, a couple, uh, I ran a Bush North race. I ran uh, a Bush South race. And they're all in Watkins Glen. Okay. Well, except for one. So you, I'll like, tell you a funny story. The early days of being a ringer, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I ran a cup race at Watkins Glen. And then I tried to qualify for a following year for a cup race and didn't get in the show. So, so I only ran one cup race, two, two, uh, a Bush North and a Bush South. Bush, all, all the, the Bush South race, the Bush North race, I finished second. And it was rain shortened. It was two laps to go. And I had a guy dead to rights. Yeah. Right. And um, sure, that's the story you're going to tell anyway. <laughs> but, uh, and the uh, Bush, uh, the Bush South race, uh, I blew a transmission. And then the, uh, the cup race, I blew a transmission. It was really the engine. But because the engine shop that I worked at sponsored me, it was <laughs> a transmission. Absolutely. Blue transmission. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's sure a lot of oil coming out of the transmission. <laughs> I get, yeah, don't step in it. <laughs> yeah, Rod went through it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Gear, gear Rod. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so we didn't, so we never said that. But uh, so we're at... Uh, so I'm tuning on trucks in okay. the truck series because ah, cool. of this engine shop okay. I'm working for. It's called Amix uh, Motor Shop in, uh, in Charlotte, in Mooresville. And uh, so I'm tuning on these trucks. Uh, so we go to, to, uh, to Darlington. And this, at this time, I've got a, a cup license because I got it for driving the road race car. Oh, wow. No, no, it's in the 2000s. Yeah. Um, so I go, so we're, I'm tuning on the truck, blah, 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 blah. And uh, so NASCAR has a problem. They don't have enough trucks to start the race. And they, the, the way that it works back then is that if, if NASCAR doesn't have full, a full field, they take TV money away from Yeah, they default uh, their contract, yeah, right. 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 Yeah. Well, they just take some money away because it isn't a full field. Right. So they, they get all the owners together and they say, listen, you guys got to pull out your backup trucks. So the owner of the team that I'm working for comes and says, you got an NASCAR license, right? And he says, yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah. He says, well, listen, you got, 
when you're done tuning on the truck, <laughs> I want you to jump in the backup truck and qualify for the race. And I said, oh, okay. So they put fit me in the seat and everything. I put a bunch of cushions and everything. Because <laughs> you're so, how tall are you? Yeah. How tall are you? Five three. Okay. Okay. So the the race starts, <laughs> and I'm going out there, and I think I'm really doing good, right? Yeah. And about the fifth lap, I look in the mirror, and here comes the leader. Okay. And I thought I was going lap fast, five. Right? Yeah. yeah, lap five, <laughs> which in Darlington is about three minutes. Yeah, yeah right. Three seconds, right? <laughs> so I pulled up on. I, I said, "Holy crap!" So I pulled down on the apron, and they go. <laughs> so I come back. So I pull. I pull into the thing. I, I I take my helmet off, take my suit off, get my tuning stuff, and I go back to the pits while the race is going on. Right. 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 So the NASCAR guy runs up to me, one of the officials, and says. Oh, my God, you weren't supposed to be out there. <laughs> and I said, well, well, now you tell me. <laughs> what happens is it, uh, if you have a NASCAR license, you can run any racetrack except Darlington. Oh. In Darlington, oh. you have to be signed off by five current Winston Cup really? drivers. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Huh. That's it's hilarious. Just, they, they didn't know that. No. <laughs> And the guy comes, you shouldn't have been out there. I was scared to death. I'm going, what did I do? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I never drove an oval in my life, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I put him on the hardest oval on earth. I like that's yeah. how you and here I am in Darlington. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And I thought I was really doing something. I was probably going like five miles yeah, an hour. Mama, yeah, I'm yeah. fast. <laughs> right. yeah. I got it. I got it. <laughs> so that well, so that, that, that's kind of where I wanted to segue, though. It's like, you know, you're known today as kind of like the, somewhere between like an expert tuner or crew chief type. Um, but you started as a driver way back when in, in the old IMSA days of GTU. Yeah, I started driving in 1977 in road racing. I went from drag racing in the early yeah, 70s. Yeah, I, I saw that you had some drag racing on your resume from like 74. Yeah, that was my last year. Okay, so, but, so you're a lifelong car guy. Yeah. Where are you from? Tampa. You're from, so you're, okay, so you're not far from here. Tampa, Florida. Florida, Florida yeah. guy your whole life? Yeah. Started, okay. started drag racing at 14, motorcycles. Wow, when was that? Hmm? When was that? 64. Okay, so you're born in 50. Yeah. So you're my dad's age. Um, so you're drag racing at 14, uh, illegally? No, legally, because okay. in Florida, you can have a restricted license to drive a motorcycle oh, yeah. for uh, under five, five horsepower okay. Okay. You, with the restricted license. Okay. So I went, to the, I went to the drag races one day, and I saw a motorcycle like the one I was riding, and I said, well, how do you get to race there? He says, you give the guy five bucks. The, the the tech guy five Good. bucks they yeah. put a number on your on your headlight and you're racing yeah nice. that's how I started okay and were you doing your own tuning yeah yeah right. yeah but then I got a then I, I did that a lot and then um, some guys had cars that they wanted somebody to drive for them and uh, so I started driving other people's cars when I was 16. now was that because you fit no because I was at the drag races all the time yeah, I guess. Right. put this kid in and what about your parents were your parents, was like, your dad a car guy? Was your mom an engineer? No, they're just your uh, thing. My, my dad worked for the uh, for the sanitation department in Tampa. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, my mom was a seamstress. Wow. Yeah. So how'd I you get into cars? Well, I had a friend. Oh, okay, here we go. Here <laughs> I had we go. a friend when I was a kid. Things never start well with I have a friend. Yeah. He had a, uh, his dad had a battery company. Okay. Back then, the uh, battery shops were were they weren't like you didn't go to to Sears for a battery you went to a battery shop sure. right, right, right 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 and he had a battery shop his dad had a battery shop and 
I used to work there on Saturdays, which was sweeping the floors, whatever, right? Yeah. Well, there was always motors and batteries and sure. cars. So his father built him a, a, a go-kart for, for Christmas and, and put a gasoline engine on it, right? So it, we ran, ran, ran it, and we burned the tires off of it, obviously. Yeah. And then it sat in the yard, and then it filled up full of water, and the motor wouldn't start. So I decided to take this motor apart. So I go to his sister's dollhouse. <laughs> I lay a blanket down, and I take this Bridge and Stratton apart piece by piece and lay them all out, right? On her dollhouse? In, in the dollhouse on a blanket. <laughs> yeah. It was like a flat dollhouse about this size. Sure. Just needed a, but I mean, it was a real a dollhouse, table, right? A bench. No, it wasn't like a baby dollhouse. It was no, like a, you get in dollhouse. You, oh, okay. okay. So it's like a playpen almost. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah right, it was right. a big dollhouse. But you had a big surface you could work on. Yeah, right. So I had a piece <laughs> of wood in there, and I laid this all out, right? Well, you know, I laid it out. That was on a Saturday or a Sunday, and then we go to school, blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, sister goes in there and says, what are you guys doing in our, in our playhouse, yeah. right? She gets the blanket and goes like, this with all, oh, no. yeah, yeah. all over the yard. Right. Oh. So that was my first. So right. you had to figure out what job. to do after that. No, I never got oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That card is still there. All right. That's done. All yeah. right. That was, was that kind of like an eye-opening thing for you? Like you enjoyed yeah. taking it apart? Because you're a tinkerer. Yeah. Well, that motorcycle story. Yeah, it's about to say. So how does this get you into motorcycle? Okay. So I couldn't afford to have a motorcycle, right? right. I had a neighbor. A kid about my age. I had a brother that was older. So... I went over to his house one day, which is about five houses down from my house, and we're playing, right? So his brother decides to play a trick on me. He's got an airplane engine that he's putting in a, uh, uh, one of those uh, boats. Oh, like an airboat. Airboat. Yeah, right. But he's got the magneto out of it. Okay. And he talks me into grabbing the lead to the magneto. <laughs> and he goes like that. Spins it. Yeah. yeah. It gives you a good little zap. Yeah, it knocks me on my ass. Right. Well... His brother had a motorcycle, a Honda 50. Okay. And it's in the grass, in the back of the, the property, in the grass, laid down. Mm -hmm. We run across it, right? I'm saying, what's this? So that's my brother's motorcycle. It doesn't run. So I look at it. It looks pretty good to me. Right. So I ask him, do you think your brother let me ride it? He says, well, it doesn't run. So I said, do you think if I get it running, your brother will let me ride it? And he goes, uh, I don't know. We'll ask him. So I asked him. He goes, sure, if you get that thing running, you can ride it. Knock yourself out. Yeah. Yeah. So I get the thing. And the first thing I do is check for spark, and there's no spark. I said, well, you ain't got to start with no spark. So I, start t I took the panel off, and the, and the points, right, yeah, had the wore the point. block off, and they were closed. Okay. So I opened the block off, put the choke on, and the darn thing starts. <laughs> so the guy let me use it. And right. I was already 14 at the time. Yeah. You know, so, this is the same kind of thing 14-year-olds do now. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So that's how I ended up with that motorcycle. Right. And I would only get it on Saturdays and Sundays when my parents didn't know about it. Okay. Now, were you wearing a helmet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so now, you're, so now you're, you're, you're drag racing. Parents have no clue you're doing any of this at, uh, at this point. Well, the drag racing stuff... When it started getting on TV, they started noticing it. Okay. <laughs> but was, there, was there a moment where you had to confront them, or did they find out? Yeah, they, they found out, and uh, I thought they were going to get mad, but what happened was all the, all the neighbors said, 
hey, uh, I saw your son, blah, right. blah, 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 blah. Right, they're you proud know, back, of you. Yeah, back then it was the wide world of sports and, you know, all that stuff. So then they kind of accepted it, didn't say anything. But I remember taking my dad to the first pro stock race that I ran. It was a match race. Okay. You know, they used to pay us a b- bunch of pro stock cars to do a match race at local tracks. So I took him to the local tracks. You know, we do a burnout right. and all that stuff, you know, half track burnout for the <laughs> show and all that stuff. And at the end of the day, my dad, at the end of the night, we're loading the car up. He's, my dad looked at me and he goes, nothing about cars. He looked at me and he said, you know, if you don't spin the tires like that, those, those things will last longer. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he ever said. <laughs> that was it. That, that was, was it. it. Like, and I'm done. Right. You're on your own, kid. Well, but, it, like, if he works in sanitation and your mom was a seamstress, I'm guessing that was sort of the proverbial nine to five. Oh, yes. And like my the, dad. These were stable jobs. Yeah, they, my dad had a second job okay. to make ends meet okay. at a, uh amusement park. And he ran this, uh, I don't know if you remember these things, but they were like a, a carousel, but they were, they were old bomber tanks that they would cut in half, and they'd have two seats in them. And you'd ride, they'd be hooked by a chain, and they would go around, and they would go like this. Okay. And it was a ride. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I he ran that ride. Sounds like a great way to hurt somebody. And, <laughs> right, yeah. And, yeah, and awesome. I would go there. He'd take me there when he had to babysit me, okay. and I would just ride all day. Sure. Yeah. As you <laughs> and then awesome. the blood right. would go from your from your brain to your feet, and I think that's what that's what happened. That's why I got quit. Yeah, that's, that's why I got it. screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but historically, with parents who work sort of traditional nine to five kind of work, when their kid starts doing crazy drag racing or, or something that doesn't seem like a real job, it can be kind of hard to convince them, like, no, this is, this is what I want to be doing, and it's okay. Well, when my father had that job and everything, I got yeah. my first car at 12 years old. Okay. Okay? How's that There now? was a, 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 a man, that uh, an old man that lived across the street. His name was John. And he was kind of an inventor kind of guy. Old guy from Malta. And he was getting ready to move from, to back to, from Malta. And I used to go over there, and he used to tell me stories, and we used to smoke pipes okay. with Prince Albert. I'm 12 years old. I was going to say, you're 12. What? Yeah. Okay. It made me sick, but I thought it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> so when he, he was going to back to Malta, you know, he knew I liked his car. Right. It was a 1937 Plymouth cool. oh, that he cool. had painted with a brush wow. with yeah. le- latex paint. Wow. And back then, right, it, that was the 62. The trick thing was that the guys, all the all the hot rodders would paint their rims red yeah. and okay. put these little moonies on them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That was cool. Yeah, it's cool now. So the minute he gave me that car, first thing I did yeah, is got a can of Rust-Oleum, painted the rims red. As right. you do. Yeah. Right. Well, the thing didn't run because <laughs> it had a dead battery. But it had some sweet-ass oh. wheels. Well, you know a battery guy. Yeah. There it is. There it is. Yeah. 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 So I went over to Michael's, to my b- best friend's, and we got a battery for this thing. Uh-huh. Put it in, starts up, it runs. Okay, now we have it running. Yeah. And no one knows. No one knows. Yeah. <laughs> Good. At so he's, he, he moves. Okay. I've got to move the car over to my house. So I move the car over to my house, which is across the street. And between my father leaving for work because he ran the night shift and my mother coming back from work, I had 30 minutes when I got back from school. Okay. So I would drive the car around for 30 minutes and park it she'd come home from work the thing's going shh right and she never even noticed yeah nothing nothing until the next door neighbor the lady next door told on me 
Oh. She was scared I was going to drive through the yard sure. and kill her. Yeah, yeah. So she told my mom. She's seen you drive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she told my mom. My mom told my dad. One day I came home. Car was gone. Oh. He gave me a $100 bill. He said, this is what the junkyard gave me. Oh. Now, this car wasn't worth 11 cents. Right. Okay. So that was bull doo-doo about yeah. the $100. Yeah. You can yeah. cuss on this. We bleep it. It's yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah. So don't hold back. Yeah. yeah. So that was my first car. Wow. 12 years old. So the go-kart, yeah. the dirt bike, and the car were all deals. Deals. Yes. You got deals. You're deals. dealing on everybody. Deals. Which is exactly the Joe Vardy I know now. Deal. You know, he's always talking, always kind of yeah. like, all right, what can I get out of this? Yeah. What can I get out of that? Well, the drag race thing, too, at, at the drags, the guys would say, you know, I, I'd be there, like, hanging out. And I'd help a guy that was there, change tires, whatever. And then a guy that knew a guy said, listen, this guy can't drive his car. Can you try to drive his car? Yeah. So it was a 63 Corvette. So I got, a, I got the guy's car, and I, ru- I ran the race, won the race with his car, and then I got rides all the time right. in drag racing. And then they, I got picked up by a sponsor, and I worked at an engine shop, and they let me drive the car. And just There was a guy named Rusty Gillis okay. that, was, that was a racer, a drag racer. And he went... He would go to national events. Well, back then, I was just a local guy. And I worked at the engine shop that built his engines. So one day, he asked me, hey, do you want to go to the races with me? So I says, where we're going? He says, we're going to Pomona, California (laughs) for the Winter Nations. Might as well have been Mars. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I remember going home and, and getting my suitcase and going, now, I ain't been out of town. Right, right, right. And I load my suitcase up. And my father comes by and looks in the, in the, in the room and says, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to drag races in California. <laughs> he says, oh. So he just turns around, and I hear him tell my mother in Spanish that I'm going to California because she didn't speak English. Okay. And then all I hear is a scream. Ah! Yeah, right. So he comes back in the room, and he says, your mom's pretty upset. I said, yeah, but I'm going to California. So she came in Spanish. She came in and in Spanish says, be careful, call me. Oh, wow. I said, I said okay. You, you still get to go. Right. So here comes this truck with this drag. Uh, back then they like, had these one-ton like ramp trucks, truck? a ramp truck. Yeah, with cool. This, with this drag car. Yeah. Yeah, right. I threw the stuff, bags in there and off to California. Right. Where's your mom from? Cuba. Oh, she's Cuba. Right. Yeah. Dad, too? No. He's, he was born in Tampa, uh, 1907. Wow. First generation. Father was Italian. Okay. okay. Came from the system. Okay. Sure. So how old are you when that happens, when you get to go to Pomona? 18. 18. And you've never been anywhere. Yeah. Not out of Florida. Right. Right. And now you're going to California. Yeah. To the Winter Nationals. Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. the biggest, the biggest yeah, track racing thing you can right. go to. Are you blown away by the, like, Oh, yeah. What are some of the things you remember from, like, just because I remember the first time I went across the country on, for a race team, but I was also probably about 17, but this is now. Yeah. You know, I'd already been places. But even then, you're wide-eyed looking out the window yeah. for three days well, we're straight. Well, tr- I'm driving a truck, right? <laughs> a one-ton truck with this car <laughs> in the back truck. of it. Yeah. 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 yeah, so we're swapping seats because we drove 24 hours straight. We know this pain. To, to, <laughs> to uh, I think it was Houston or somewhere around in Texas. Right. We slept. Eight hours, and then drove the rest of the way to Pomona. And the truck had a sleeper. 
in the old days, semi-trucks had a sleeper that was in back right. of the cab. So this guy, his dad, had built this truck out of a one-ton Ford truck and found one of these sleepers of a junkyard out of a semi and put it on the frame. So we had a sleeper. Right. And the freakiest thing the whole trip was, when I was driving through New Mexico, middle of the night, it started to snow. Right. New Mexico. I never saw snow. No? Oh, wow. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah New Out Mexico. Here. Yeah, yeah. In New Mexico, yeah. In the mountains. Remember, Interstate yeah. 10 wasn't no, finished yeah, yeah, then. Yeah, right. So it was right. 10. Oh, wow. Then, then you ran 90 yeah. in the mountains. Yeah. Because okay, the interstate didn't go through the mountains because they were building it. Right. So they built the flat stuff, but when it got to the mountains, it went to 90, which is 90 was the road that So went now you're doing color. mountain roads in the yeah. snow. At 18. At 18. Yeah. With <laughs> having never truck. left Florida. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. And, Good. And I start seeing this snow come down, which I don't know what it is. Oh, right. And it would right. hit, it oh, would come right. across the windshield, and before it hit the windshield, it would go. Yeah, fly well, right over. Right. Well, I thought I was hallucinating because we've been up so long. Oh. <laughs> right. You don't, you've never so, seen snow before. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I pull out and I park, and, and Rusty's in the sleeper. He comes and what's wrong? I said, man, I'm, t I'm tired. I, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing spots. I never saw snow before. Right. So I open the door of the truck. I get out, and a snowflake goes right down my nose. nose. <laughs> he says, it's snow, stupid. Just keep driving. Right. <laughs> it's annoying after a while. <laughs> yeah. So that was a that California was, trip. Was, uh, was, was Pomona the big city? Because uh, Pomona and, like, let's say Hollywood are not exactly the same city. But if you're not from that area <laughs> and you've grown up in Florida your whole life, that you may be this may be it yeah like were you expecting well, sandy I mean, it beaches was big, and bikinis yeah, we, we start getting into california yeah it starts city after city after city after city right, going right. toward la yeah and pomona is one of the cities right but were you expecting like beaches and bikinis no and it's no, pomona? no no okay. we're going to the track race all right you right. know yeah. okay yeah at least you knew we're that racing <laughs> so we go out there and we win our class so we go to tech and we have to tear this motor apart well, I've never tore one of these motors sure. apart. So we start tearing this motor apart. And back then, everything was so tight, you were supposed to get ice and put it on the combustion chamber okay. before they measured it. Well, we didn't know that. And we failed by a half a cc of compression. Okay. So he got tossed. Well, we came back the next year. Right. And we, we were a little smarter. Knew what to do. Did the same thing. Yeah. We set the record. Right? And then we're at this little end that we're staying at. Back then, it was these little tiny hotels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just little hotels. And who's having breakfast in the hotel with us is Wayne Gap and Jack Roush. Huh. Heard of them. And they're running the same class cars we are. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they say, hey, well, you guys want to come here for breakfast? And we're running like we're like the, we're like the record, record yeah. guys. And yeah. they're right. like the... <laughs> right. <laughs> like, sure, guys. Yeah. We'll hang out with you. Let's again. talk yeah, about So we, we talked to the cars and all that stuff. Bottom line is, that's where I met Jack. So you met Jack Roush, like, way, way back. Yeah, 69. Yeah. That was the next year. Right. So when you went to Pomona the first year at 18, how much were you getting paid as a daily rate? Nothing. Oh, wait, what? What do you mean? <laughs> were you getting paid? Did you bitch that it was unfair because it football players got like, paid? Kind of like lunch. What about uh, dinner? Yeah, I was going to say, what about, uh, like, you got your own hotel room, right? No. <laughs> I don't understand. How did you make it through the day? So then when you were frustrated, you probably went on social media that night and told all your followers. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, it's not fair. No, I went to the <laughs> I went to the 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 the, uh, the phone booth and called my my mom. Was that a requirement? Like every yeah. day you had to. Not know every day, but I called. Yeah. yeah. Once I got there, I called, and then during the during the weeks we we're there, we we're there like ten days. Right. You needed to shoot her a text. Yeah. Like, hey, rooms, I'm all good. The rooms were twenty six bucks or twenty two bucks a night, and it was a nice place. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, this kind of skips way ahead, but I mean, I know you've had like younger kids work for you. How much sympathy do you have for like a young new kid that comes into the sport that might have those kind of concerns? Yeah, it was kind of fun. It kind of funny when I started road racing. Yeah. And you know, I had to have sponsors, and I spend my own money. And and the only way that I made money is fixing cars and building engines and building cars for people. That I would get kids that would come over that knew nothing and they wanted to get paid. (laughs) <laughs> right. And I had right. the hardest time in the world paying them, but I had to pay them or not, you wouldn't have any help. Mm-hmm. At first, I had a lot of friends help, but, you know, they all had jobs. <clears throat> they would help in the evenings. As, but it, it came to the time that we were working every day. Right. Yeah. At a certain point, you only have so many hands. Yeah, especially so when it came to road cut. racing. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you're taking the smallest cut and you're doing the most work. Yeah. Weird. So running a business in sports car. Yeah. <laughs> I would never guess that. Yeah, and the only way I did that was I had a sponsor that was a friend of ours, a friend of mine, that I, that a, a crowd of people that we knew. Mm-hmm. He had a phone company, and he, he put some dough in my racing, and we were able to build a car and go racing. Right. In, in the Champion Spark Plug, which was IMSA's, you know, same thing as what we're doing now. Yeah, yeah, but... but well, so that's kind of where I was going to go is for those who don't know your career history. So, obviously, drag racing, you're instantly kind of on the page, won a bunch of big stuff. And then somehow, six years later, you show up in IMSA. Where, where did road racing show up? Yeah, what happened was I was pro stock racing. And we went to the Gator Nationals in 1975. And a buddy of mine. And that's the big Florida yeah. drag race. Right. A, bit, a good friend of mine and the guy that I, my mentor that showed me how to weld and build cars, built this jet car. And this friend of mine got killed that day. Car went sideways, guardrail cut the car in half, he lost his life. And I, and I just couldn't go to a drag race again. So me and the friend that built the car was in charge of the man's widow to sell his equipment. So he had a chaparral trailer. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like a Featherlight today, a a tag along, a a, a fifth wheel trailer. And he said, and uh, we put it in National Dragster that that we were selling this stuff. Well, this person called from Laguna Beach, California, said, I want to buy your trailer. So that buddy of mine said, hey, listen, you want to go, we had to deliver the trailer. That was part of the deal. You want to go deliver the trailer? We said, yeah, some some road race guy. His name was Jim Busby. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So we go to this. I mean, this is a lot of crap, okay, I'm going to tell you. But it's like. Okay. You're going to have to cut this thing up. So we go. So we put this thing together, blah, blah, blah. We go to California. We dropped this thing off in Laguna Beach at a road race team that has a Porsche. Yeah. 
and we don't know, you know, we don't know road racing from apple butter. Yeah, yeah. So we unhook the trailer, we we take the hitch out of the trailer, and we out of the truck, and we put it in his truck. So my buddy Glenn, which is the guy that built the dragster, which built Don Garlitz's dragster that went to, the first dragster that that went 250 miles an hour. Yeah. Same guy, and he's the one that taught me how to fabricate something. So. He says, hey, you want to go to Las Vegas? He says, we're out here. Well, I, I never, yeah, I never yeah, been to Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's on TV. Right. And this yeah. is this is mid-70s? Yeah, this is 75. Yeah. That's a great time to be yeah, in that's, Vegas. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So on the way to, uh, to, way to Las Vegas on Interstate 5 or 15, 15, 15, right? We went 10, 15. We drive by our old trailer and a brand new truck with the hood up huh. on a Sunday. So we pull over, hey, and this little 17 year old dude comes out and says, the transmissions, the truck won't move. So I get in the truck, put it in gear, boom, brand new truck, brand right. new Chevrolet Dually, right. transmission smoked. So I said, well, listen, let me take you to the truck stop. You can call the owner. So he goes to the owner, calls him up, and, and calls the dealer, and the dealer says they can't do anything till Monday. Well, this car is supposed, this trailer is supposed to go to Mid Ohio. So the guy says, "Hey, would you guys, can I pay you guys to take the trailer to Mid Ohio, and then the kid can show up at the truck after it gets fixed, right? And we'll pay you." Me and Glenn look at each other and said, "Sure, why not?" So we go back to the truck take the hitch out of it. You know, the holes are already in the bed, right? Yeah, right. Put the thing back, tighten it back up, hook the trailer, and we leave. Yeah. We drive nonstop from wherever we were between L.A. and... Yeah, somewhere and, in, yeah, in Las Vegas. Right. Straight to Middle High. Another place you've never been to track you know nothing about. No. I think it's incredible that you come from Florida, which is the home of two of the biggest sports car races in the world, and the first time you actually see a Porsche race car, like up close, is in Laguna Beach, California. Yeah, and and I mean, it was like, it was like weird to me. You know what yeah, I mean? I'm looking right. at it. I'm kind of laughing at it because yeah, like, drag race that? guys, we're kind of like, <laughs> you know, we've built yeah, like right. neat little stuff, and yeah. that was kind of like. And now you're off to the, one of the most yeah. iconic road courses yeah. in in. So we the go there, right? Unload the car, and we're, the weekend's going on, and we're walking around. He's got one mechanic, and it's a Camel GT car. Yeah. Yeah. To one mechanic. And uh, we're walking around looking at the stuff because we're waiting for it's, o for it's over, right? And waiting for the truck to get there. Well, the morning war bump on Sunday, he crashes the car. Hmm. He backs it into the fence. Is this? Folds the exhaust, RSR. Folds the exhaust, okay. breaks the fender rope. So he parks the, ca he parks the car back at the, at the trailer in the grass, right? We're in the grass. Yeah. And he, and he leaves. He leaves to go like, to talk to his buddies okay. or whatever. So we're we're drag racer guys, right? So we look at this thing and we go, and here's fenders on inside the trailer and exhaust. And oh, all he's the got stuff parts. Fixed. Yeah, he's got parts. Oh, he's, yeah. And, and we asked his, his crew chief, "Hey, you think we could? You, you think he mind if we fixed it?" <laughs> he said, "Well, no." So we fixed this thing. He comes back from the concession stand. This thing's sitting there. We're aligning it. He runs the race. Race is over. He immediately hires my buddy Glenn. Okay. Because he's the brains. I'm just like the. You're the helper. Yeah, I'm yeah, the helper. Yeah. 
to California we go. Wow. Back to California. Wow. I call home. I'm not coming home. Right. I'm going to California. So we go to California. We're there about six months. I'm getting. I'm making. Wait, wait, I, wait, wait. Time out. You're yeah. there for six months. Right. Have you ever been anywhere away from home for six months? No. 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 And you weren't packed. We're living in Laguna Beach. <laughs> right. We're right. living in Laguna Beach. Yeah. Life right. is not good. In a house yeah. that's got a, a garage connected to it, and that's the shop. Okay. So it goes on. We go to races. You know, I just I clean up. I sweep. And I, I normally do the cooking at the house So because I cooked. Okay. So I cooked. I cook dinner and stuff like that. And prior to this, at, no interest in road racing, and now you're at by the force. End, you know, no, I'm liking it. And then I see these guys in the in the Champion Spark Plug cars. So at the end of the so at the end of the day, I'm tired of not getting paid. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Remember when he whole said, time you're not getting paid. Remember yeah. when he said six months? Six months. <laughs> you're not getting paid. Plus well, all the other adventures. Food. Right. Yeah. So you got food and you're good. So places. Yeah. So I said, hey, listen kids i'm gonna go i want to go i want to do this racing stuff so i'm gonna go to florida and back home yeah and uh so i went back home so i started working at this engine shop okay where where i used to do my drag race motors right and i would do engines for people and a guy came in there this 72 year old man called Doc Marinelli. He was a doctor. Okay. And he had a gremlin. Yeah. And he was the driver. So we were doing the engine, and I said, well, I'll help you put the engine together. So I helped him put the engine. It was a six-cylinder stuff. So he said, would you like to go to the races with me? And I said, sure. So we went to Talladega. Yeah. Which was a road race car, road race track. It was a NASCAR track, but they had a road they race. Like a road, road uh, race yeah. there. No. Yeah. He asked me, would you like to drive? And I said, yeah. I said, uh, okay. So we went up to the, to the gate, to the IMSA registration. And there's John Bishop, Peggy. Right. right? IMSA founders. Yeah. yeah. A couple people. Yeah. And uh, they said, he says, I want to make him the driver for the car. So they said, does he have any, does he have a license or do he have any experience? He said, the, the, the old doc, he was a KGO man. He looked at me and he said, yeah, he drives my stock car back home, the short track car. They said, oh, yeah, yeah, come on down. <laughs> That's the only license I ever had. Really? I never went to drive school. He never school. did school, no. never did anything. Right. So uh, we went I there. It. I love there it. Was I like how many careers have started from lies right. from yeah, our yeah, podcast. There were 62 cars. Now, I've never been around a, a road race course in my life. There was 62 <laughs> cars trying to qualify for this race, and I qualified 15. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. With no road coursing experience. No. Wow. So the it race. was all the simulator time, though. Yeah. <laughs> so the race starts, and he just told me, find somebody that's going your speed and follow them. Right. Right. No problem. Yeah, I can do So that. I followed him, followed and I don't know, it wasn't many laps later. I got hit in the back in the infield. Spun in the dirt, and it had rain in the mud, and that was the end of the Right. Race. That was 1977. Okay. So now it, uh, I don't want to go that direction. Okay. You get the opportunity to drive a race car at Talladega, which is a Roval, yeah. as we call it now. How disappointed were you that it was a road course on the inside of an oval? I didn't know nothing. Yeah. So you were like, I, I can, can drive a race car. I can spell road race. <laughs> All I said was, 
here I am going to the drag racing running eight seconds. Yeah. And here I get to drive for an hour. You know? Yeah. And I was and I was kind of personally I was saying when I was when I was drag racing at the end, I was doing I, I was winning some races, right? Yeah. And I said, Well is this all there is to driving? Yeah. So when I saw that, I said, Maybe I can try that. Yeah. And that's how I started driving. Right. But again, you don't come from a wealthy family. You're working basically for free during this whole time. Yeah. And uh, like Doc threw you in on a whim, but this isn't a career path. Yeah, that was the end of that yeah. of that deal. But okay, it's a like, one, one so and done. Yeah. Now you're now yeah, you're without a drive. Right now I said <laughs> now I said I'm gonna build my own car. Okay. All right. And at this point you have your shop. Right. No, I have nothing. Well, I thought you were building motors and stuff out of a shop. No, I was else. working for a guy ah, that okay. built motors yeah, in an sure. engine shop. Sure. Okay. But Glenn, the guy that built the rocket car, right. that built Buzz. it, it Buzz, it, that did work for Busby, yeah. that also built the, uh, you know, that that Porsche 935, the whale tail. That, yeah, Moby Dick. Yeah. Yeah. Very famous man. Yeah. Okay. He has a shop, a fab shop in Tampa that he's not in. His wife has a, a postery shop connected to it. Okay. So it's open every day. So I decide I'm going to build me a gremlin just like I drove. Okay. So I get that friend of mine. And I said, listen, you need to help me. I said, I want to go racing. He said, well, that's a great idea. So the engine shop let me build the engine for nothing. And Glenn let me use his shop to build a race car. He actually, I gave him the measurements over the phone. He actually bent me the roll cage in California and sent it to Tampa. No way. And I put it in the car. And it fit. And you did that over email. You sent drawings and everything, right? No, you did it over a telephone, right? <laughs> right. So <laughs> do you think those options would have been available to you if you were an asshole? <laughs> I could have been. It's a, no, it's a real no, question. A real because question. Like, we, we talk about this a lot we with talk people. About, yeah, because we, you know, we just sat down with Pierre Kleinabing earlier. Uh, I mean, everybody who doesn't come from means, everybody has a story. Not only, at, like, first they all lie their way in, uh, but <laughs> second of all, it always involves a whole consortium of people willing to lend their shop, help out with this thing, provide a little bit of sponsorship. Here's a free something. Listen, I think between the motor and the car and on the racetrack, I had 6500 bucks in that first car. Right. That's a lot of money for back then, though, right? Yeah, yeah, that's. Yeah, but yeah. but but we had fifty thousand dollar drag cars right. back then. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that buddy of mine that was doing real good in the phone business, he, you know, it was like you know fifteen hundred bucks, seven hundred bucks. Yeah. you know what I mean. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. trying to help. Yeah, so we got this thing and we got it running. Yeah, and I was a drag race guy, so I had drag motors, right? I didn't know nothing about oil pans and sloshing and nothing like that. So we go, to, we go to the first race, and I burned the bearings out of the thing. I think it was Sebring. Okay. I went on a ramp back truck that I borrowed from a drag race guy. <laughs> Were you the only one in the paddock? Fastest car. Okay. Blew it up. <laughs> so I did it three times before I learned. And uh, because I couldn't figure it out because I didn't know anything about it. So then after I did, then... I started in 79, I had a gremlin. And at 79, now we're running. Yeah. We're up and running. Yeah. And now it's a proper it's a real team. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I was leading Sebring the next year. And with six laps to go, I had to come in to get fuel 
got fuel, instead of giving me a splash, they filled me up, which are the same people that helped me. Mm -hmm. So this all helped guys, right? They fill the car up, so I sit there for a, a how long you got to fill loss. it up. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. And I was leading the race. Right. I come out right in front of, uh, uh, of the team AMG, uh, AMC guys. Okay, right. Which is kind of the same car, right? De yeah, Dennis, yeah. Dennis and Amos Johnson. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah, yeah. Come out. And they're the factory guys. Right. They got the Levi's car, blah, blah, blah. And I got this thing that says phone company on the side. <laughs> so we go into the hairpin leading the race. We go into the hairpin. Amos bumps me, turns me like that. Dennis hits me like that. Ends up in the tire wall. Race finishes, blah, blah, blah. So at the end, I go to the winner's circle because he won. Yeah. And I go, hey, man, why, why did you hit me? And they looked at me and they goes, who are you? What car? I didn't see no car. The other guy, I don't see no car. Yeah. And I said, uh-huh. Right. Okay. Right. You don't that exist. Was the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a, a story about you and ESPN and the Gremlin, which I was told was 1978 interview. Lime Rock? Does that ring a bell? They asked you if there was an advantage about being short. Oh. <laughs> Told them my brain was closer to my, my foot. Apparently on ESPN, what Wide World of Sports, they're like, or whatever it was, they're like, hey, uh, Joe, great job. You got the win here at Lime Rock. Uh, you know, you're shorter guys at an advantage. And apparently without missing a beat, you replied immediately, well, yeah, my brain's closer to my foot. Well, in 79, I was running this gremlin. Yeah. And there was a guy, you know who Charlie Cook is? Yeah, of course. MSA okay. Tech. Yeah, right. long time. Charlie yeah. Cook had a car. And it was a Concorde, which is a, a long Gremlin. Yeah. And they gave the long Gremlin a two-barrel carburetor with the same engine that the Gremlin had. Okay. So I went to the junkyard and got a two-barrel carburetor off of a Gremlin and put it on the engine on the dyno. I had a dyno back then. Because I'm a drag race guy, right? Yeah, of course. It, you was, a, know. it was a stupid dyno. It was like the, it bolted the back of the engine, and you'd go like this. It'd run around the shop. <laughs> and the thing made like 30 horsepower. Okay. And I said, holy shit. So I went to the, <laughs> I went to the junkyard, bought a, bought a Concorde. Yeah. Cut the cage, all the pads where the cage touched the body. Right, right. Cut them all out. Out of your Cut the roof car. off. Cut the roof off the, the Concorde. Laid it in. In two weeks, I had a Concorde with a two-barrel carburetor. Went to Daytona. Won the race. <laughs> 79. First race I ever won. So to, to recap, you went to the junkyard to get parts and a car to go race in the Continental I, Tire Series at like that time. Against like full factory efforts. Right. Yeah, I yeah. had... I stripped all the parts of all the gremlins that was in that junkyard. Right. I had all the parts. Right. And, and all of these races are what would be sort of like, it's not entirely accurate, but like a modern continental challenge. So yeah, like it, when you go to Daytona, it wasn't the 24, it's a support event yeah, it's with support like showroom stock kind right, of cars. Right. right. But we didn't run the, the chicane at the time. Huh. Oh, so we're running yeah. 171 miles <laughs> yeah, it's an just hour like <laughs> in on a, a BF Goodridge. In a gremlin. In, into oh turn three God. going like this, look. Oh my God. And in drafts. I'm assuming if you're a factory team, even back then, you probably have, like, proper team kits. Oh, yeah. You have, like, a trailer with lettering on it. And I have a feeling, like, as you're honing down they these, built, like, engine they blocks. They built cars, Levi Garrett yeah, cars. Right. Yeah. They were it's factory guys. And it's what are you deal. wearing That's exactly time. where I was yeah, going. Yeah, like, are you in, yeah. like, Cobra Kai-style like, <laughs> uh, no, jumpsuits? No? No, I got whole – I got camp, camp – crane cam shirts. T-shirt. Whatever, <laughs> whatever yeah, right. was free at the time. Like, finest. 
yeah. literally grinding on a motor. <laughs> yeah, that's the driver. And the, yeah. Wi yeah. And the yeah. wind's blowing. <laughs> and right. the right. Now, these are the garages before they... Before what they have now, right. Before the garage. Yeah. So they were just lean-tos. Yeah. And the sand the would come through. Yeah, the wind. right. <laughs> And you're and over here grinding down like yeah. this clamp it over yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. And you go get the pole the next yeah. day. That this, was pretty funny. Now this isn't <laughs> this, this isn't a joke. I'm sincerely curious. Like you know, right now different manufacturer cars in the Continental uh, series are heavily, heavily, heavily homologated. Yeah. W what were there rules like if you're going to run a Gremlin? Yeah. Here's a spec sheet of what you're having. Was it how how would no, you compare it to today? This was the rules. Okay. You had to run a stock chassis with stock stock bodywork. Okay. Any sh shock absorber. Uh huh. Any spring. Any sway bar, so that was the car. Okay, so it just had to have the shape basically of the Gremlin, and you're car. good. Yeah. yeah. Car. Okay. You're able to use a V8 transmission and a V8 rear end for the Gremlin specific. Yeah. Okay. For all the cars. Okay. Okay. So okay. And in the motors, right? You had to run the stock carburetor. Okay. But you had, but you could do the valves in any camshaft, and right. you had to have the same cubic inches. That was the only rule. How many pages would you say this rule book was? Uh, it wasn't any. I never saw rule. You <laughs> <laughs> just knew what they were. Well, yeah, it was that short of a list. All right, so you win Daytona and the Gremlin. Which the Gremlin's the, the Wayne's World car, right? Yes. Like it's the same. Yes. Mm, yes. It's an AMC. Gremlin. And then I get a call from the factory. Okay. That says they want to give me a new body style. And they want to give me the car. Because you're beating the factory team. Well, they didn't say that. Right. Okay. <laughs> but but they, they came up with a new model okay. to replace a Gremlin. It was called a Spirit. Okay. They had they had, they had the, the Pacer, which was that thing that looked like a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that wasn't selling very well. But they had a, a car that looked pretty sporty. It was called a... Spirit. Spirit. Okay. So I got the trailer and truck and drove to Detroit to the factory... And they got this brand new car off the assembly line that was just a tub and put it on my trailer. And it was cold and snowing and everything. Well, shit, I didn't know. But by the time I got back to Florida, this thing was a piece of rust from the salt. From all the stuff the that was running through it, sure. It was, it was a shiny metal car when I got <laughs> it. <laughs> so I found a place that dipped it, you know, and I dipped the rust off it. Okay. And I built that car. Now you're now you're uh, you're not a factory guy because they're still not paying you for it. But they're no, giving they you new stuff. They never pay me. They want you to represent the brand better. Yeah. So we ran the car a couple times. I found out that the car. It was funny because it's a Gremlin. It's a Gremlin uh, platform, but the unibody, the body on top is different. It's real. It's got a sloopy back end. Right? Right. Like a Mustang or whatever, right? Sure. Instead of that cutoff. Well, I take everything out of the Gremlin, all the suspension and everything, and I stick it under the Spirit. So I'm like laughing. <laughs> this was like a piece of cake. It all bolted up. Right. I didn't spend 10 cents, right? <laughs> so I go to Daytona to run this thing. And I can't get it through the infield. Because the thing kept spinning out. Okay. And I'm going, why in the hell is this thing spinning out so bad? Right. 
And I, you know, back then, back, back then, I that's I ate and slept and drank that stuff. Right. Okay. I didn't do nothing seven days a week, twenty four hours a day, race car, race car, because I didn't know anything about road racing, and I had to know because I was earning a living doing it. Right. I had to know everything I, I could know. Well, so you should just take to the seven post. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you said I used to do that because you still do that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so come to find out that the sloopiness of the back of the car had lift. Had lift on the rear. Aerodynamically yeah, right. where the gremlin that had cut off downforce. the vortex, right, yeah. So I took those springs, I threw them away, and I put the streetcar springs in it. Gone. The car, yeah. car was gone. <laughs> and then I learned, and then the rubber around the, the back deck lid, I cut the rubber so the air would come in the car, go through the hatch, and screw the air up that's going over the back of the decklet okay. to create more downforce. Right. And what are you basing that off of? Just a hunch as to how it's yeah. going to work? Yeah, because yeah, I said, if this is screwing up, well, how can I screw up the air up? Right. And I don't know if it was a bunch of guys talking or whatever. We said, well, let's leak some air you know, on the hatch. Does. Yeah. Right. <coughs> And you're just sort of butt dinoing all this. Yeah. There is no, right. yeah. No. yeah. So they would look at the data. Right. <laughs> See the um, overlay. So at this point, like, so now you're a couple years in, you're winning in a continental equivalent, but you're wrenching and working your ass off to make this happen. Is at any point, uh, are you getting offers to drive somebody else's car or testing for anybody else? No, no, but I'll, I'll, if you want me to get into that, I will. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Because the AMCs were winning everything, right. they got factored and factored and factored and factored till there was nothing left. What does that mean? Like a, like B, like BOP? a BOP adjustment yeah, yeah. turned out? They start putting restrictor plates okay. under the carburetors, okay. blah, blah, blah. Why so is it called factoring? Well, that's just the way it That's just the term. What basically turned out. Why, why, he's I, asking why you say factoring, but I guess it's just a term of yeah, yeah, yeah. restricted or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. But that's back in the, 80, the early 80s? Uh, late late 70s? 70s, early 80s. So when people bitch about BOP now, it's not uncommon yeah, it was to a you. B, it was a BOP. But it's something like yeah, that, like right. when they're trying to bring this back yeah. in range. But how common was Like, was it every race they're saying no, putting more weight no, on? No. Okay. They change once a year. Right. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Gotcha. okay. And in those days, you could actually live off the earnings. Yeah. Oh, we make more money now uh, then than we make now. Right. Right. Yeah. Was that just because it was more popular and more commercially no, viable? No, because... Uh, it, uh, IMSA used to pay you $5,500. Mazda used to pay you $6,500. The tire people would pay $2,500. And you'd make 15, 20 grand. Right. Wow. On a weekend. In like 1980. Yeah, this is 1980. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so I went from eating at McDonald's yeah. to eating at Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. was a big move. No, I understand. Say. <laughs> <laughs> The Mazda program is when you come across the uh, legendary Jack Baldwin. No, not yet. No? Okay. Okay. Not yet. Because we're having dinner with him on it's Monday. Monday. He's our oh, next guest. Yeah. 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 Well, let me tell you the story so you can so you can say, well, Jack, that's not exactly the way I heard it. Right. <laughs> is that a common thing? <laughs> they know each other. Yeah. <laughs> I could tell you the Jack Baldwin story, but it's going to come along the Mazda story. Okay. We'll, oh, yeah. we'll get there. We'll Keep get going. there. We got Keep time. Going. Okay, so I've got this car, and we're doing pretty good. So we're at Road Atlanta. 
and we're like on the pole or something like that. And the and the Rolex cars are the are the camel camel cars camel, are getting yeah. ready to run. Yeah. So I go to the fence and I'm watching the cars because yeah. I always like the this big. This would cars. be like yeah. your Conti WeatherTech is going out next session right. kind yeah. of thing. So right. we would go. I would go watch them. Right. Right. And Atlanta coming down the hill, the 935s used to really haul ass. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, and this good-looking guy, gentleman, gray hair and everything. Like frosted hair, really, really good-looking guy, and uh, comes up and stands next to me, and like this. And he says, uh, "You're Joe Vardy, aren't you?" I said, "Yes." Well, I'm Dick's Maxwell. And we shake hands. Hi, Dick. How are you? Fine. He says, uh, "Listen." He says, "I work for the Chrysler Corporation, and I want to hire you to race for us." Right. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. He said, we can do it three ways. I said, well, what do you have in mind? He says, I can give you all money. I can give you all cars. Or I can give you cars and money. He says, we don't have a lot of money. Just letting you know, we don't have a lot of money. Uh-huh. Because this, this is when Chrysler... Lee Iacocca just took took over, and they were in the Yeah. And they were starting to build these front-wheel drive cars. But if you stick with us, we'll make it up to you. I said, okay, sure. Give me your phone. You know, we traded right. numbers and all this. I thought it was a freaking joke. Yeah. Right, right, right. I'm also guessing his idea of no money and your idea of no money might be two different things. Oh, yeah. 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 So I get a phone call. He says, uh, Mr. Maxwell would like you to meet you in, in, in uh, Detroit. I said, okay, I said, but I don't really have enough money to buy an airplane ticket right now. He said, no, no, we'll take care of all that. So they fly me to Detroit. Well, the guy that picks me up, you know, he's got a little card with my name on it. The guy that picks me up is from BBDO. You've heard of BBDO. It's a management company. Oh. It's a marketing company. Oh, big okay. now it's a real real buck. But they used to Chrysler was one of their okay. accounts. Sure. He was in charge of the racing account. Yeah. For Chrysler. He said, uh, you Joe, blah blah blah. And I got T shirts, you know, I got my cowboy boots, <laughs> you <Right>. know. <laughs> Looking the part of a champ. So <laughs> we get in the car, we go downtown Detroit, and he pulls over to on um, downtown and he says, Come on, we're gonna buy you a suit. So we pull in front of Brooks Brothers. I didn't know what Brooks Brothers was, right? right? You're like, is this a nice I thought place? they were a camshaft, right? <laughs> so we go to Brooks Brothers. He <clears throat> takes me in there. The guy starts doing this. Right. And I said, what's going on? He says, well, you don't go in front of these people without a suit. So they buy me a suit and everything, and I go into to, to the contract talks knowing nothing yeah. because I know nothing. Right. Right. But th- here's the part that, <clears throat> is, again, back to being likable. These are the guys that are working for the man who are helping get you ready right. to pitch this properly. Yeah. yeah. It's like they had the whole thing figured out. Right. How to, yeah. They knew I, I didn't know <clears throat> from apple butter. They're on your side. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. they're on my side because they right. want me to. They said, yeah. we're going to give you You're their guy. $50,000 cash because that's all we got. <laughs> right. 
and we're going to give you all the cars, all the parts, all the stuff we need. You need. So I said, Arby's, fifty thousand. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll do it. <laughs> Curly fries. So they start sending me shit, and I mean, they start sending me stuff. Yeah. They they Car give wise. me an order bank order blank for cars. I bought my crew chief. Uh, they, they gave me the Shelby cars. They gave me trucks. They gave me oh, vans. I mean, so they like gave dailies. me everything. Yeah. yeah, all these things. Ev everything filled out with every option you can get. Right. So we go through the first year. It's some teething years. Because nobody's a front-wheel drive car. They're starting to allow them in the class, but they're getting their ass handed right, to them. Right, right. So we work, we work, we work, we work. And this First is the, year, and the car is? A, a Dodge Charger. Right. Yeah. So we, blah, 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 blah. They hook up with uh, with uh, uh, Carroll Shelby the next year in 83. The street car. And they even. come out with a Carroll Shelby version of right. it. Right. It's the same car with the tur It's the same car, mm -hmm. right, with a turbocharger, which we're not allowed to use. But it's got a spoiler and all that. So they say, well, you have to run these cars now because this is what we're promoting. Right. So we get this thing, promote it. A lot of shit goes under the thing. I mean, there's, you don't need to hear any of the other stuff. The bottom line is we got this car. We figured it out by the second year. And we won six out of 10 races nice. and won the championship. Yeah. So we were the first front-wheel drive to ever win an American championship professional. Yeah. And it was an American car. That's Because awesome. we were running against the Archers and, yeah, Archer and, and Toyotas and all the other front-wheel drive cars. And that's how Jack's, Jack started. We went, we went to uh, Charlotte. And at the racetrack, they decided to make the car race an endurance race. So this again, Charlotte had like a, with an infield road course? Yeah. Okay. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so at, on the weekend, they decided to add a co-driver. And make it an enduro. Out of nowhere. Oh. Huh. Okay. And this is where Jack Baldwin comes into your life. So I have, I know nobody in road racing except Jack. Because Jack, the guy that had the shop that built Don Garlett's car, yeah, right. that went to work for Busby, yeah. knew Jack from motorcycle riding yeah. in in the woods. Yeah, Jack was big into that. He yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So small world kind of thing. So when I started yeah. road racing, I called Jack. Jack, what about this? What about this? What? Oh, this will never go nowhere. He was so pissed. Yeah. He was. He didn't want nothing to do with driving, road racing, nothing. Out. Right. Ever again. No. Wow. So we go on. You know, he he tells me about stuff, and you know, but he doesn't want nothing to. He's into t-shirts or something. Right. It's t-shirt business. Yeah. So I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody in road racing, anybody that I would trust. Sure. So I said, I called Jack up. I said, hey, Jack, what are you doing? Well, I got to do this, that, that. I said, listen, I need a co-driver. I don't know anybody. Would you like to come to Charlotte and drive with me? And this is like, you need him today. Right. Yeah. And he said, I said, would you do it? He said, yeah. So I hung up the phone, and Jack was right there. <laughs> <laughs> he really wasn't, but that's yeah, what it seemed yeah, like. Yeah, right, right, right. 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 <laughs> so the guys, nobody knows Jack. This Jack was like the Formula Ford world champion. Right. Nobody knew him. So the, the owners and the crew chiefs looking at me like, who is this guy? 
Yeah. I said, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. Well, I'm like the fastest guy out there, right? Third lap, Jack goes out. He matches my time. Yeah. Okay. So you're like, who is this guy? So you're, you're yeah. calling the so right guy. So they guys. think yeah. Jack is like Mario Andretti yeah. from Indianapolis. Maybe he came from Europe or mm -hmm. something. So they think he's, you know, they think he's some kind of. Yeah. Well, the race goes on. We go blah, blah, blah. He gets in the car. He blows a tire on the left side where the uh, fuel fuel the fuel element. Okay. Like where you put the fuel in the where car, right? Go. And sure. the car blows up in flames. Pulls the car off the banking, comes out of the car. He's on fire. Right. Rolls right. in the dirt. <laughs> yeah. He burns all his hair off his. And I think it's the funniest thing that's ever happened, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what started. That's when me and Jack, you know, legacy was born. Right. And then when I started, when I started the Dodge program, they wanted me to. After we won the championship, they wanted me to put two cars on. Yeah. Okay. So I and I called Jack for that. And he came to work for me. Right. And so effectively, this is where Jack's road racing career kind of begins. Yeah. yeah. Starts again. Yeah. Again. And then when my and then Dodge said, you either run Mazdas or you run Chryslers. We can't have you do both. Because now it's a big thing. So I had to pick the Chrysler because the, 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 I was only getting paid to drive with the Mazda, but I was getting this big program with the Dodge. Right. So I had to let it go, and Jack started getting rides after that, and the rest is history. And he, Jack, earned his own stripes. Sure. Did he talk as much then as he does now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's it's... Early 80s, you're now a giant star of, of IMSA. <laughs> Clearly, it's your program at this point. So you're the Dodge guy. So about 20 years later, you're in NASCAR. <laughs> so how, what, how do you transition from being a road course guy to, to becoming sort of a NASCAR tuner? Because, again, you didn't even start as a road racing guy. You're a drag racer. Road racing catches your eye, and you're like, oh, I'll do this. Next thing you know, you're the, you're the best at it. Is it. Was NASCAR a similar kind of process? Did Buddy Parrot call you needing to buy a race trailer? No, <laughs> what happened was there was a gentleman that uh, wanted to get in a NASCAR, and he lived in Charlotte. And I was a road race guy, and road race at that time was starting to, economy was shitty. And when was this? 97, 98. Oh, yeah. so this was when, like, WSC had kind of imploded. Yeah, yeah. It's and the NDA was Yeah, okay. So this gentleman used to call me every night for a year. And in fact, we'd be in bed. My wife, the phone would ring. My wife would pick up the phone and, and go like this. <laughs> Will you do that? It's Dan. <laughs> right. <laughs> he talked to me about a year. Because he used to road race. Okay. And I built engines for him. So there's a previous relationship. You know this guy isn't full of No, I, I, did, I don't know at the time. So. And he says, I want you to come up here and work for me. I said, you can't afford me. I've got a company down here. Okay, now you're, it's mid-90s. You've had 12 years to grow up from, yeah. from last time. So now you're a millionaire. <laughs> no, I just thought I was. <laughs> Had an airplane, had all that stuff, right? I thought I was rich. I wasn't rich at all. Right. Said a lot of 
But you got that. You got that RB sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. So a year goes a year goes around, and he says, "Calls me up. I want you to come up here and go to work for me." I said, "Dan, I'm telling you, you can't afford me." He says, "I can. I'll buy your business and shut it and, and pay for it to shut it down." So I said, "Well, now you're talking." So he bought my business to shut it down. I moved up to Charlotte. We're going to start a Bush team. Well, this is just when NASCAR started to really blow up. Late 90s, mid 90s, yeah. yeah. So we start a Bush team. We get a sponsor, which is NWO, which is the Wrestling Federation. Yeah, World really. Order. That was your team? What? I actually remember what? this car. That's awesome. I remember this. Absolutely. Like, like, the, like the handwriting written NWO yeah. and the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, that was me. That was your car. <laughs> I remember this car. That's awesome. Oh, cool. Okay. Who drove? So, huh? Who drove? Kyle Petty. And clearly Hulk Hogan. <laughs> right. So, we did this for a while. Minor success. Decided to quit, but kept me in there. Dan did. Yeah. Okay. And build a new shop. I was, so I was started building engines. He says, start building engines. So I started building restrictor plate motors and blah, blah, blah. I built some good motors, but had nobody to run them. And he wouldn't let another team have them. Okay. To so use them, even if they wanted to rent them. Right. So you had calls, he, but Dan says no. Dan and this says is, no. You, you do what the boss says. So, I ended up buying this big, this machine shop, engine shop, that I'm going to do engines at night. Because he doesn't want me to do anything, so I'm going to buy this engine shop. I have a little side business. Yeah, and I had a little, I had a buddy that was came from me from Florida. We were doing street cars, so I built this engine shop. I bought this engine shop so he can have uh, some revenue. Okay. Well, shit went went down. He got this new PR guy, and this new PR guy said. For Dan's team. Yeah. You either sell that engine shop, or you can't work for us. Wait, hold on. The PR guy said that. The PR guy accepted and said, this is how we're going to do it, and you're to what Dan. you're doing. Wow. Because huh. Joe would never quit. I quit. So now you're back on the street. Yeah, building NASCAR got, motors. You got your machine shop, so now you're just doing what you were going to do anyway. Mm -hmm. So I started building Bush motors, Arca motors, anything I could do to make a dollar. Right. So that went well. So showroom stock style racing has effectively today been replaced by GT4. Yes. Um, heavily homologated. Uh, you, you're not able to really fab too much of your own stuff. You have to buy it from your respective OEM, whoever that is. In your case today, it's uh, it's the Mercedes AMG GT4. Um, for better or worse, how do you how do you like today's era versus well, your day? Well, remember this, okay? The the slower the class, the more rules there. Right. So we're used to running in that in that scenario that rule scenario. In that tight box, so to speak. Yeah. Right. In that tight box, so we have a better. We're more comfortable you doing that. Yeah. Than the big guys having to go With a more to that. open rule book. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure. Because we've always been able to make a lot of out of nothing. Right. Because our, our, our box was so small, so we had to utilize everything we could 
Because you make, literally couldn't afford to get the big stuff. Or or the rules didn't let us. Right. So we had to make the most out of what we were allowed to do. Right. So for you, today's year isn't really that different from how it was. Right. Right. How, uh, inflation aside, how are costs comparing? Not, not close. Much more expensive today? Yeah. 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 Is that some, uh, thinning the it's, field? Yeah. It's funny because they say that the... Um, that this is the lower expensive class. It is compared to GT3. Well, if you look at it five years ago, it's not. Right. It right. was GT3. Right, right. I'm not disagreeing with this. It's all relative. Right. So to that point, just a few years ago in the Continental Challenge, you could run a truly showroom stock car. Yeah, you your could make your come own off car. Dealership. Right. We yeah. made That's, our own Porsche. Yeah. When we did the run bump program, right? We the BMW was made out of a street car, right? Uh, that uh, Fall I made for us. Those cars were cars that you could get. Like they had VIN you numbers and everything, them. and yeah, you yeah. could build them up, right? And, yeah. But and that's I mean, gone. You think, yeah, you think about that. How many guys say, "Hey, you come over to me. We're going to spend a half a million dollars buying equipment." Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's not showroom stock racing anymore. No. Right, right. They're, these cars are made out of aluminum. You hit one of them, it costs you fifty grand to replace it. Well, because yeah. now you can't make your own, correct? And you can't fix it. Right, yeah, right. You have to go to the truck. Right. You have to so, buy a homologated part. Yeah, so it's a, it's a little more difficult. Right. Now, flip side, you've been in this game for so long. One of the upsides to GT4 style racing is you're never going to get rid of it, but you minimize cheating, so to speak. Because if everything is homologated, in theory, newer developed pieces aren't going to sneak their way in. Um, do you feel like it's affected the competition towards the better at all? Well, the problem is, is this. You have American manufacturers that build American GT4 cars to run in America, which are the same guys that we've been racing against for 10, 10 and 15 years. Yeah. Right. Right. So they maximize everything they can maximize, and all they got to do is get it approved. Right. And then you got the Germans, God bless their soul, uh, that have the Porsches and the Mercedes and all the BMWs. And the Audis and yeah. That are building cars for uh, the whole world. A much yeah. wider net of right? tracks, right. And then we have to bring them here, race against here. Right, yeah. So it's like bringing a, a knife to a gunfight. Right. Because the, the American cars are made to run against to us. To run on the American here, tracks. Right. On the American and tracks. And deal with the BOP and that's the be And the Germans and, the, and the, the Mercedes and the BMWs and all those other cars are made to run all over the world. Right. So they're never maximized to run a certain place. And right. I actually don't know. So this is at a break. Is IMSA on SRO, BOP? No, they do no. their own. They are. They do their own. Okay. No, they do their own. They get the SRO and then they dumb it up. <laughs> okay. I didn't mean dumb. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean they soften it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe we're, use the word soften. You better use the word soften. <laughs> Why are you pointing? I like to you. I didn't I do it. It's all your fault. Living living right. I didn't do that. <laughs> I got to earn a living. Yeah, fair enough. I don't okay. think you got to worry about anything, Joe. All right. So you kind of talked about it earlier. You were this, the crew chief behind the automatic racing Continental Series program, which ran M3s for a long time. You with David Russell. And you guys won a lot of championships and a ton of races. You only won one championship? I thought you guys won back-to-back. Just one with Siegel and Jeff? Yep, 2007. Wow, seemed like so. You guys won a lot of races. Uh, seemed to always be in the hunt. Yeah, we're in the hunt. Yeah. 
And I didn't think we won. We didn't even win a race in 2007. Really? Won the championship, never won a race. Wow. And then you went from automatic to Rum Bum Racing, which yep. is basically your program that you ran with. Uh, Matt Plum. Matt Plum, but uh, Bacardi. Matt, yeah, but Matt Plum was my partner. Right. He had more. He's the one that hired me. Wow, okay. So he, Matt that's right. hired me. He had the relationship with Bacardi. They had yeah. done some stuff, and then he said, let me go get the best guy in the world to do this, Joe Vardy. And then you guys put together kind of a super team. Yeah, and him and, and uh, Nick Longy yeah. and, and Matt. Yeah, and you guys went out, and how many championships was that? Won one driver championship and two team championships. Yeah, ton of races, always a threat every time you unloaded, whether it was a BMW or a Porsche, mm -hmm. super fast. And then now you moved on to TGM Racing with Ted Giovannis, and it's – Three races from the end of the year, two races from the end of the two year. Two races. And you guys are in the championship lead again under a whole new regime of rules and BOP and all that stuff. Clearly, you know what it takes to win in this kind of racing. So with that all said, we do a pass-along question. And we had lunch earlier today with Pierre Kleinebing, and he basically wanted to know, what is it that you do to always win championships and always be in the hunt? Is it the people you surround yourself with, or is it something that you do specifically Mostly it's the people I surround myself in with. Yeah. That's it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> not, and also shocks. Yeah. Or, or knowing what to build or what to get. No, no, it's not that. You know that, 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 that the Mercedes never had, has had a BOP to be able to win races. Okay. It's not. Lime Rock is not a race that the fastest car wins. You know that. Yeah. It's not the fastest car there as you said on tv the other day when you won lime rock in your <laughs> class which i'm going to kill you for saying that what did i say that's a stock car setup that's a yeah that's what you say <laughs> i don't set it up it's okay. the opposite of a stock car setup that's what right. you say that's what you say so so on uh, monday night we're going to have dinner with uh, your best friend in racing jack baldwin you're going to have a ball. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're looking forward yeah. to it. I've known Jack a long time as well, and he is a lot of fun. Yeah. If you could ever ask him any question that you'd like to hide behind us on that we will ask him when we see him, what would it be? And keep in mind, you can totally lead the witness and say, hey, whatever happened to that one rental car or girl or. Let me tell you a story. Yes. In 19. Oh, <laughs> we leave. We leave, <laughs> we, we leave uh, Watkins Glen racetrack to go back to the Glen Motorhead. And Jack says, follow me. I, have, I know the way. This was Firehawk days. I don't know who he's driving for or whatever. Sure. So we start going through the old racetrack. And when you come out of the hole to the old racetrack, go through an S, there's a hard left-hand turn. These are public streets. Yeah. Now. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I'm on his bumper, and I've got my team from the Firehawk team in the car. And I'm saying, I'm a, I told the guys, I'm going to take up rally racing, and I'm not getting off his ass. <laughs> so I'm bumping. I'm going through these curves. <laughs> and we get to the top of this road, and it turns left. Yeah. Well, I don't know it turns left. Because <laughs> I've never been there. Right. <laughs> So we launch <laughs> off this cliff, and we had a Lincoln Continental. Back then, you, you'd rent them from uh, budget. 
and all the hubcaps blow off, <laughs> and all I hear is this clicking noise. And we're flying through the air, and I'm hearing this clicking noise, and I'm going, what the hell is this clicking noise? And it's Dud Goad in the back seat trying to put his seatbelt on. <laughs> <laughs> we go boom, 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 and we get back on the day. The, the, the hubcaps are gone forever. Gone. Right. That was the uh, story. Yeah. <laughs> So, so if, if you were to make that into a question, <laughs> yeah. uh, so if you had a question for Jack, though, if you could ask him one thing, and you can hide behind us, yeah, and he doesn't say, punch ask you, him about this. or you want to put him on really the spot, how old he is? Ooh. Oh, how old? Oh, because yeah, the whole time he's older than me. Okay, and then one year on on some <laughs> media thing, he, he was wasn't. like five years younger than me. <laughs> I didn't know how in the f he did that. <laughs> He's got a real problem with his age, okay? Great. So well, that's what we'll yeah, say. Well, yeah, don't. He's going to keep twisting. Know, use yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. don't tell him I said that. Uh, Bill Riley explained to us what people can do to talk their way out of a ride. And I know in a lot of cases, like kind of like you were just mentioning, where you know, you're working for a team like an automatic that has a lot of paying customers, so you can't get rid of them. You, know, you have to tolerate what you have to tolerate. But what are the key ways a young driver can lose favor with Joe Vardy? You know, I don't know. Uh, just not listening. Yeah. You wouldn't believe the drivers that I have, and I've gone through their very experience, that actually listen. When I was with, when I was with Rumba, and I would tell a driver would call, ask me for some advice, and I'd tell them. And they would say, well, what the f*** do you know about driving? <laughs> what, really? <laughs> they would tell me. Uh. And I would say, well, I'm just my opinion. Similar. I would actually get that. So on that level, for a young engineer or young mechanic, what's the best way they can talk themselves out of a job? Out of a job? Yeah, yeah. with you. Just not do the job. Right. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Just we, not do the job. The most common thing we hear is that either not asking questions when they should or just wanting to go for the glory way too early when they should just shut up and just stick to what they're supposed to do. Yeah. You know, there's a job to do out there. Right. And you got to do the job. It doesn't matter who you are or what you are. And I don't care if you're some f***ing hero or you've never driven a car before. Right. But if you do the job that I tell you to do and you do it right. to the best of your ability, I'll never, I'll never blame you for that. Right. Well, my whole thing is like racing shouldn't have a job description because then that you shouldn't have a list of what you should do because you should always be looking for something more that you right. should be doing. Like it never ends if you're if you're still getting ready. Yeah, if somebody says like that's not my job yeah. on a race team, you probably shouldn't be on a race team. Yeah. yeah, it's funny because it's such a shame that the guys that really really good drivers nowadays, because there's so much money in this. Yeah, the rich really good drivers. Don't get it quick. Right. Along those and lines. And then they take jobs that are automatic failures because you got to take it. Yeah, right. 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 And it's such a shame because when I did it, we had to build cars and do our own stuff but just to prove. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I going to say. So a Joe Vardy of 2018, father works in sanitation, mom is a seamstress or whatever, could... Could that same career path you had today, the sure. way you did, you believe so? Sure. If you got a good enough, if you can get somebody to help you. Okay. 
So be like The money's going to be different. Right. But, yes. And there's been people that have done that. You know people that have had people to help them. Right. Right? Because they like you. Yeah. They, They don't help you because you haven't proven yourself, so they can't help you for that. Right. You know what I mean? They yeah, can yeah. help you because they like you. I'm, I want to hear it from you. And they got to like you, and you got to be a good person to them, and you got to remember them. Right. You know, I remember. Here's a story Bob Gregg, the guy that helped me. I'll tell you a story real quick. Remember when I told you I went with the Mazda, with the motorhome, to a Riverside? Well, Bob Gregg was a friend of, of, of uh, Jim Busby's. And he was a racer, but he, he had a cast iron foundry. Well, pretty well off, nice guy. He told me, I said, he said, are you coming to Riverside and Laguna? I said, I, I'd like to go, but I can't. I don't have enough money to go. He says, if you get here, I will make sure you get back home. So I said, okay. So I got enough money to get enough gas money to get there. When I got to his shop in El Segundo, California, which is around Pomona, he said, why don't you put your car in my trailer? We'll do Riverside, go to Laguna, come back, and you won't have no travel expenses. Right. So I said, great. So we did that. Well, my motorhome, by the time he got to uh, El Segundo, tires were ready to blow off. The (laughs) exhaust had burned (laughs) off of it because it was so old. It was just, just falling apart missing right when i got back he had rebuilt that motorhome all the tires were new all the exhausts were new the thing was tuned up in a full tank of gas yeah when i got back right and we won both races got back to his shop and the motorhome was absolutely perfect and guess what i just came from his house Last two weeks ago. Oh, really? Still and friends to this day. I haven't seen him in I don't know how many years. Yeah. The semi trailer I have at Charlotte, which is now a storage trailer, uh-huh. he gave me. He had the one of the first trailers, racing semi trailers, that ever had a lift gate. Huh. Oh, how cool is that? 1977. Okay. And he says, and I tell him I've been paying storage on this thing for 10 years in Charlotte. Yeah. He says, why don't you sell it? <laughs> Why don't you throw it away? Why don't you? Right. I, said, I said I can't. Yeah. yeah. It's $40 a month, and that memory is worth, worth $40 it. Yeah. a month. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. And I just was with him. But uh, all in all, guys, I've had a great time, great ride. I'm, I'm still working hard. This TGM thing is really great. Uh, Ted Giovannis, you know, Brandon. What? What, what a good team. What's it like working with Hugh now, Hugh Plum, after working with Matt for so long? Like, are there immediate? Well, Hugh, you know, Hugh drove for us. Yeah. At, at uh, right, Rumba. Right, right. But that's like so a deal. He, Sorry. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Somebody that drinks the Kool-Aid yeah. is Hugh. Okay. He drinks the Kool-Aid. Like In the a good team, way. Like the team Kool-Aid? Yeah, you try yeah. to get everybody to drink the Kool-Aid. Right. He's, like, he's the guy he's, you want. Yeah, he's yeah. the guy you want. You ask to do something, he's doing it. Oh, yeah. yeah. You tell him, go into that wall, full blast, right. everything's going to be okay. Right. Boom. Great, it, great guy. And Owen Trinkler, one of the most underrated drivers there, there is in the paddock. Really. Yeah. Is, is, uh, 
is there not necessarily a driver just in the paddock team owner a joe vardy equivalent is there a guy you admire the most in the in the scene today well sure sure um you know the multimatic guys they're i've raced for, against them i mean it's always been us or them right. for for years and years years sean He's a great guy. Sean's a great guy. Sean Mason. Yeah. Yeah. Great guy. Love to race against him. Yeah. Good people. You know, Will Turner when he was running against us. Yeah. Always, always the guy to race against. You know, Michael Johnson. Yeah. Uh, it's you know me and Mike always were were when he was with uh, with uh, Stevenson. Stevenson. Yeah. Yeah. Always the guy. Brains against, oh, yeah. you know what I yeah. mean? Smartest right. guy strategy in the pilot, against just strategy, <laughs> smartest guy in the pits. He's happy to tell you that. Yeah, and I always tell him that. You're the smartest you guy in the pits. you got to stop doing that. And I'm the second guy. <laughs> you got to stop doing that. Yeah. Why? Mike Go. doesn't need the ego inflation. No, no I don't. I don't. <laughs> but he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Yeah. Gave me my break. I love that movie. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's so funny because the guys that we race against in, in the, in the uh, Continental Series, they have... They have respect for each other. It's so funny because it was, it kind of surprised me. You know, I, I, I went with this team and we were working and working and working and working. When we won Lime Rock, when we won Lime Rock, which nobody expected uh, AMG to win that race, right? Because right? They, they've been slow everywhere. Yeah. I've had a lot of the guys, a lot of the team owners and crew chiefs come over to congratulate me for that that I would never oh, that's cool would because uh, they recognize what an effort it, it really was yeah, yeah. They, you know guys that you're racing against in the championship and that you know you never were like the you you know the best I think we came in was fourth or something yeah. you know what I mean fourth fifth sixth right. seventh you know because of the way the the happens right yeah and they came over to congratulate me which I thought was a big thing right that's but cool. it's that family yeah and the you know what I mean it, you don't see that family a lot in other series. Right. Yeah. So you've been doing, I mean, you've been tinkering with some form of racing vehicle since, uh, since the 60s. Um, why are you still doing it? I don't say it in a bad way, but, like, burnout is a very common thing in our sport, and here you are almost 60 years in, still going. Um, does it sound silly if I tell you that's the only thing I know how to do? No, that's no, that's how realistic. many of us feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. The only thing I know. How to do. So you're cornered. Right. You're you're trapped. Do you see yourself no, stopping? No, it's not a trap. <laughs> tra he's trapping. I actually enjoy it. I enjoy it all the time. Do you see yourself stopping? No. Okay. Is there a, a home life? Do you watch TV? Do you have pets? Yeah, I got a dog. Oh, oh. I got a wife. I got a dog. <laughs> okay, so you're more of a dog than a cat guy. Got cat too. Okay. Outside cat. Did, More of a dog guy. <laughs> did you know that there is a jail for dogs? Really? Yeah. And cats sometimes can go to that jail too, but only for perjury. <laughs> no, I'm a dog guy. <laughs> I'm a cat guy. Right. I, right. It, it, we've had cats that, we, that I ended up having to have, but the dogs, you know, I got a dog sleeps in my bed every night. Jeff Siegel wanted me to ask you about your finger. Yeah. So what is that? Oh, 1985, an engine was falling off a 
I was building an engine. It was falling off the engine stand, okay. and I thought I was going to catch it. Oh, no. Oh, God. Because okay. it's an engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, they're babies to me. They're, you know, they start as a block, and right. then you put pistons in them, and all this stuff, and all of a sudden, this thing was going to the floor. Yeah. yeah. It was very stupid. <laughs> but what would you do? I... Rip my finger off. Oh, okay. So that's and when they put it back together, back together, back then they didn't. They yeah, weren't right. able to put the tendons together. Okay. So, so it was sort of either in. straight or curled. Yeah. And I was driving back then, so it goes around the steering wheel. Okay. Yeah. That's actually Makes sensible. Sense, right? There you go. Yeah. Okay. Did, uh, did Siegel know that story, or was he just curious? Like, oh, he's yeah. curious. Okay. Yeah. He was hiding behind us. So th this is kind of jumping back to an earlier topic, and may or may not get edited in in the right way. Um, We've never talked about this. I have a strange theory that BOP, because we talked, like BOP has talked about nonstop these days. For, forget how it is today. As a mechanism of trying to keep some parity between a whole different <coughs> group of different cars, has some form of BOP always existed? Yes. Um, has it always been like, forget computers and everything else, in terms of the frequency? You know, this many adjustments are being done every couple of races, so on and well, so it's forth. Well, it's not, yeah, this is kind of unprecedented. When you had a BOP grievance, uh, how would you handle it in those days? Was it closed-door conversations? Is it two guys by the side of the trailer kind of arguing? In other words, like, were there press releases being put out every other week saying, we we were third purely because of the BOP? Like, you couldn't tweet Well, first, days. the word BOP wasn't really used. Right. Right. Yeah. So at Rumbum, you built your own stock uh, Porsches yeah. and BMWs. Yeah, yeah. built their own cars. There was no OEM lobbying. This was Joe Vardy saying, no, it's f***ed up. Here's why. And you the like reason, that reason? Listen, the reason <clears throat> Rum Bum went away because, and this is the only reason they went away, because they won too many races. What do you mean? They factored the team. They, they, they started factoring the car and when they got to the car, and, and it was ridiculous what they were doing to the car, they kept doing it till the car could not win a race. Right. So it became uninteresting to the ownership. The owner said, why what's bother? the point? Yeah. Why, why do this? Yeah. <clears throat> the problem is when, when you get used to winning, if you get beat and you're used to winning, there better be a good reason you got beat. Yeah. Oh, I, I, but when you, you probably get, don't know my clients. Yes, I understand yeah, this. But when so, you yeah. get beat because a sanctioning body is Just, making you get beat, yep. that city hall yeah. can't do nothing about that. Yeah, and you're stuck. you got to go. Yeah. Did you cross paths with Willie T at all in your sports car adventures? Willie T? Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you a Willie T story. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, Trans Ams, Willie T, blah, 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 blah. Right? So, Willie T one day tells, we meet in the hotel. Yeah. He says, hey. You want to go out tonight? Party Vardy, right? Yeah, Party Vardy. <laughs> yeah. Did you just call yourself Party Vardy? He called me. I know you do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, okay. It came from him. Okay. Yeah. That wasn't a thing before. Okay. so But it's great. So I'm all in. He comes, picks me up. We're in a Lincoln Continental. It was back in the old days. Yeah. So we go to this this uh, this nightclub yeah. in, uh, in, in this part of town that he's from. I don't know if we we're in Detroit or where we were, okay. but it was... It was a certain part of town. And um, there's a line around the building, right? So he pulls up to the f where the door is. He puts the car on the sidewalk. Yes, <laughs> our boy. Right. Gets out. Yeah. Gets out. 
and goes to the front of the line. And they said, go on in, sir. <laughs> right this Hello way. Work, right? Yeah. And I'm right behind him, and they stop me, and he turns around, and he goes, he's with me. Right. We go in. The C's part. Right. No kidding. That was what he royalty. commanded. It was awesome. Royalty. It was awesome. Yeah. But we should probably go. We should go. So in that <laughs> case, Continental's got the check. Really? Yeah. Do you not know that? Your best, your favorite tire. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is now. I'm finished. Hey, Joe Vardy. I really do love that man. And, uh, Again, can't do this without. Well, the the Acura MDX right needs tires, and those tires are. I think they're uh, Continentals. Yeah, right. The Continental tires. That's what I call them. Yeah, yeah. That, no, you don't call them that. I call them that. No, you don't call, them, call that. them that. How dare Continental you, sir? Continental tires. Shout out to our fans because you guys keep buying them. That's what's keeping this program going. So thanks again for all the tweets and all the love. Please, 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 please. Keep posting that you purchased Continental tires or a Honda product. Yeah, we'll take a Honda product or an Acura product. Put those Continental tires, though. Am I right? Even if it's bike tires. Apparently, we get we get credit for shoe soles, hoses, hoses. Uh, please, engine keep, belts. Keep tagging them. Yeah, please. <laughs> no. uh, also, if uh, if anyone happens to know how to get a hold of uh, Sam Elliott. Yeah, this is the thing we're going to start pushing here. We'd really like to have Sam Elliott on the show. It has nothing to do with racing, but we really want to have dinner with Sam Elliott. We just want to hang out with Sam Elliott. That's it. Please make it happen public go fans our next song is uh, from ben justice you can find him at ben justice music just to be clear that is spelled j-u-s-t-u-s ben justice music and uh, here's broken cowboy